Welcome to Momentum Church. All right, guys, today is a day that, um, as a pastor, it's just hard to be able to come before you and talk about our family and the pain that our family is going through as a church right now. Some of you are guests today, and so good having you, Matt, Yvonne. It's good having others I've met today that are guests, and um, I hope you'll understand as we speak to the pain of what we're going through as a church, God has a word for you in this too, because how many know every one of us go through painful moments in life, and if you're like me, at times I get mad at God. (laughs) I get upset at the Lord sometimes when I go through those things, right? I haven't matured enough yet. Maybe some of y'all in this room have, but I'm not there yet. And so I need you guys, and you guys need me, and we need the word, and we need God, and we need each other. Amen? Excuse me. So what's going on? So um, um, many of you know Pastor Brantley, our executive pastor. Um, Man, he's been in our church, he and Hannah, since 2006, um, uh, like October 2006. In some ways, they feel like our kids. They really do in so many ways. And um, we just absolutely love them, you know. And um, they, 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 they came to the church. They had visited a church close to ours. They pulled in. They got out into the lobby. And when they looked around, it was all really old people. <laughs> and and they, 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 yes, and they, um, they left. How rude. And they left and went up on the hill to our movie theater where we, our church was meeting and they came in and, and what's funny is we were young people then, but guess what? We're a lot of old people now. <laughs> that was 18 years ago, you know? But they came and, and man, just instantly fell in love with these two and, and they weren't married yet. They were just dating and, and quickly Brantley had told me that he felt a call to ministry. About a month and a half after knowing them, they were fixing to get married, and they asked Amy and I to go to the wedding. And so we went to the wedding, and I'm sitting there with my arm around Amy, and I'm looking at these two beautiful people, Brantley and Hannah, getting married. And I leaned to Amy, and I said, wouldn't it be something if this is the first man and wife in Georgia that we get to minister or mentor into ministry? You know, in Ohio, we got to mentor some, or at least have part of the mentorship. Pastor Corey is here from Ohio. He was a young man I got to help mentor when I was young. Pastor Jared, the same way. He's the guy that came and planted the church with me 18 years ago. So we had seen that kind of mentoring. And, but I thought, I wonder if this guy will be. And guess what? He was. And he has become such a vital part, both of them, of this church. And um, just to give you guys a little heads up so you understand what's going on, because Pastor Brantley and Hannah are very private people. They always have been very private. And so some of you may not know what's going on the last few years, but just to bring you up to speed so you know what they're going through right now, I do want to put this picture up here. Um, Right now, funds are being raised um, to help her go to Mexico for treatment, and um, they had a goal they blew that goal out. I'll talk about that later in the talk today. But what's neat is I just found this out. When I finished preaching the last sermon, somebody came up to me and said, hey, did you get my text? Well, I don't carry that up here, right? So I said, no, I grabbed my phone. Somebody had given a $10,000 anonymous gift right before, before for the last service, you know? So just amazing. And again, 
I, I have a point I want to speak to in regard to that here in just a little bit. So good. But just to bring you up to speed, I'm with Hannah. So a few years ago, her toe began to have a black spot. And they weren't sure what was going on. Thought it was just a stubbing of a toe, but it didn't go away. Long story short, found out it was melanoma. And that poor little thing, she, she lost part of that, that toe on her left foot. Staff knew, board knew, close friends knew. That's as far as it, it went in knowledge as far as the body goes. You know, couple years, let's, let's go forward some time, and back of her knee is starting to hurt, and doesn't feel right, and gets tested, and sure enough, it's, it's melanoma also, and so they dealt with that, and got through that, praise the Lord, and, and then just this last summer, late summer, she started to have a spot on the right side of her, and it hurt, and things weren't seeming right, and sure enough, it was melanoma, and they treated it, and it was taken care of. Well, then Come about December or so, November, December, she starts to have issues with her right arm. It's weak, just very weak. And they thought it was muscular. They thought maybe it was tendon related, but it was just very weak. They get tested and find out, you guys heard this a few weeks ago, that she diagnosed positive for the Epstein-Barr virus. And that virus presents a lot of the symptoms that she was facing. You know, some of the things going on with her speech, some of the things going on with her arm, the weakness in her right side. And so that's kind of what they've been doing. They've been treating this Epstein-Barr virus. And um, long story short, last Sunday, Pastor Brantley gets home. And when he gets home, she's just not right, you know. She was with her mama, and um, she just wasn't right. And as the evening progressed, you know, she began to present more symptoms, you know, more weakness, more of her arm not working properly, um, speech not working properly and um, still very much cognitive guys. I mean, like just full of joy, little talkative spirit, love it. But they took her to the emergency room and they had to do a scan, MRI, and she has an inoperable brain tumor. It's... um. At the base of the skull, the way I understand it, you know, kind of where the spinal column and the brain are together, it's very deep. And they did begin last week treating it with radiation. They're doing 10 treatments of radiation, of which about half of those are finished now. She'll do more this week. The plan is a week from tomorrow for her to go to Mexico for treatment, which is awesome. And God is providing the finances for that, which is amazing. But that's where they're at right now. When it comes to Brantley on, um, I think it was on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. It might have been Monday. Maybe, I think it was Monday, Monday night. He and I are talking and, and he just, he goes, you know, Pastor Rossi, he's like, I just, I'm wanting to believe for a miracle. And, but he said, there's times where I feel doubt, you know, and I know that there, God uses medicine. And we were just talking through this whole idea of medicine and faith. And we know we need both. And, and, and what does it look like to have doubt? And what's it look like to have faith? And, and, um, and he and I were talking, and the Lord just gave me a word. I said, you know, when the, the evil God, the statue Dagon, was set up, they woke up in the morning, and God sovereignly knocked that statue on its face to the ground. No hands involved at all. It just, they woke up and it was laid down, right? And I said, but when David went to take out Goliath, he had to go to a brook and pick up some stones. Stones are natural to the earth, right? 
So something from the earth he had to pick up. Then he had to take a sling. That is man-made. And so taking something natural from the earth and something man-made, putting it together, they did their part. And then God, obviously, that stone alone wouldn't have taken out Goliath, but God took out Goliath, right? So I kind of see that's how I see us doing what we're supposed to do. You know, we do our part and then we, we rest in what God is doing. And so we talk through that, you know. And, um, and man, he just tore me up. He said... <clears throat> he said, um, yesterday on my way to church, it's just us and the three kids. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, God, this could be it. And he goes, I don't want to, I don't want to think that. Uh, is that doubt? I'm like, no, that's just natural. To have those thoughts is natural, guys. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. But that's just natural. But he said, I don't want to think that, but I just, what would I do? You know, we talked. I said, listen, that is a page in the book we don't have to turn to yet. And so let's not worry about that page in the book. But I said, as your pastor and your boss, I said, I want you enjoying every word on every page that you're on right now and not missing a thing with your wife and kid. And so as of right now, you are on leave until further notice. Amen? And so praise the Lord for that. Amen. Yeah, and our board is all behind that, and you as a church I knew would be too. And, um, but, but we just want his time to be focused on his wife and his kid as she's going through this. And so that's kind of where our Hannah and Brantley are at right now, you know? And so um, just be praying for them both. And, and when it comes to our teaching today, I'll just be honest, guys. I, today we're supposed to teach on John 20, and we're going to teach on John 20. You know, we're doing 19 last week, 20 this week, and 21 next week. And, um, but I wrote a sermon, I finished it up Wednesday afternoon, early afternoon, and, and, um, and I just, I just, it just felt like this isn't what, this isn't the sermon. It was a good sermon too. It, it was. It's like, Lord, that's a lot of work for, <clears throat> so Thursday I wake up and I, even in a small group, I was telling my guys at my small group about my sermon because I'm trying to talk myself into it because it's a freaking good sermon and I really wanted to preach it and, and so I'm trying to talk myself into it. And it was all about the psychological um, um, categories of man and how those that came to the garden tomb, how one relates to every one of the four. It was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. <laughs> so all day Thursday, I'm just a wreck. And then on Thursday, about three in the afternoon, I just called my wife and I said, baby, I just took all those notes, cut, put them in a file. I'll preach that someday. But I said, I need you to pray for me. I just want to take a blank page and say, God, I know John 20 has something for us, but what would you say to our body right now? <laughs> Out of John 20, what would you say to the Johnsons right now? Out of this chapter? I don't want my words, God. What do you want to speak to us? Because we're hurting, God. And this is where this came. So from about three to about eight, I worked on this. And, and it's still first service. It just, I think anything you say is going to feel like it falls short. Amen. But God used it. God used the words. And so we're going to go there. <laughs> so turn to John chapter 20. I just want to say this morning, if you find yourself in a place in your life where you're doubting, whether you're doubting God or just doubting the circumstances that you are in, I just want you to look at me. You are in a safe place. Amen? I'm your pastor. 
And I deal at times with lack of faith. I deal at times with doubt. I deal at times with fear. I deal at times with anger. And I'm feeling all of those right now. Every bit of that right now. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, last week we saw Jesus on trial. We see him taken to the Roman cross and crucified. We see Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus taking him off the cross and placing him in Joseph's tomb. And that's where we left off last week. Things have not worked out quite the way the disciples thought or expected or wanted. Their savior that they've been following for three years, the one they thought was going to be a revolutionary, a zealot, and rise up and take control and defeat the Roman oppression. This one now is laid in a borrowed tomb. Borrowed tomb. This is where they're at. And then if you know the story, as we get into this story next, we're going to find that not only was he laid in that tomb, He's not there right now. And I know to us, it's like, he's risen, he's risen. We're excited. But to them, he's just gone. To them, it's not that they even realized what the resurrection meant, that, that in three days he was going to rise. He, they heard him say things, but it was somewhat cryptic. And, and for them, it's just, this is just, he's gone. All of their hopes with him seem lost. I can almost just hear their hearts, just like our hearts right now. This isn't how this is supposed to be. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And that's where we find these people in John 20, verse 1 and 2. Mary Magdalene, listen to this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And I think that's apropos. I don't think it's just dark physically, They're dealing with all this stuff. It's dark emotionally as well. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that's speaking of John, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. In other words, we don't know where he is. And if I had a title this morning's sermon in light of all the stuff we're going through right now with the people that we love, my title would this be, would be, where are you, Jesus? Where are you in all this? You ever felt that way? Be honest. You ever ever just like, come on, God, what in the world? Like, where are you in this? That's how Mary's feeling. You know, well, she leaves there and she runs and she goes and finds Peter and John and she tells Peter and John what's going on. And so they come and I do love that you can kind of see the personalities involved there because they come and and John outruns Peter. It's like, oh, you're not getting to him first. I'm getting there. I'm the beloved. I'm getting there. And he outruns Peter, but then John's a little bit timid. Peter's not. But John, he stoops and he just looks into the, the tomb. He doesn't go in. Peter comes finally catching up. Peter runs in. And I almost can picture Peter like, I'm going in. I want to see what's going on. I want to find some evidence of what I need to do. I need to know whose ear needs cut off next. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just happened like just three days ago. It's like my blade is, it's, yeah. And so they're there. And, and they run in and, and, and trying to, they're all trying to make sense of this. And then the disciples, they realize he's not there. So they leave and it says they go back to their homes. But then it talks about Mary again. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. She stays like, y'all boys, y'all leave. But you don't know, I can't, this, this man did so much in my life. I can't pull myself away. I don't understand it. I don't know where he is. But I just gotta be close where he once was. I, I, I just can't leave. 
And it says that she stood there weeping outside the tomb. And you have to understand who Mary was. Mary was the woman, Mary of Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. She was the woman, or Magdala is where she was from. She had seven demon spirits. When Jesus met her, she was tormented by seven demon spirits. And deliverance came to her because of Jesus. He brought ministry to her and set her free. Man, no wonder she loves Jesus. Put her in her right mind. God just did this powerful work in Mary, and she just wants to be close to him, and so she's weeping outside of his tomb. She had seen God do miracles in her life, and then for three years, she has seen God do miracles all around, but now he is gone. Where are you, Jesus? You know, and my mind began to think a little bit about Hannah when I think about Mary, and, and, and they're very private people, but I, I told this story in the first service, and it doesn't do them a disservice. This, does, this brings honor to Brantley and Hannah. Years ago, when they came to us, you gotta understand, Brantley did not come from a Pentecostal background, all right? How many here you didn't, weren't raised around a Pentecostal background? Raise your hand. Yeah, so this is weird, right? It's a little different sometimes. It's like people doing things, saying things different. Once in a while, somebody falling on the ground. What in the world was that, you know? Well, that's how Brantley was, and, but he, he just kept coming back. Like, God's doing something. He could tell, I, I don't get it, but this is, this is God. I can sense this is God. And so, <clears throat> I didn't realize that Hannah had dealt with fear. And you don't realize that now either, but I didn't realize that. And she had dealt with depression. And she had dealt with anxiety and all this. I didn't know that. And one night, early on in us knowing them, maybe the first year or so, the door starts knocking, 11 o'clock at night, bang, 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 and it was Brantley, unhinged, and Brantley is not an unhinged person, you know, just very, you know, unhinged. Pastor Ross, you've got to come, it's Hannah, she's, she's and basically what had happened was she got into a, 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 a fit of, of just depression and anxiety and fear, and she was just a mess, I say this because that's not who Hannah is, amen? But I go to the car, and she's in the driver passenger seat of the car, and she is curled up like a like sweet little thing that she is. She's just curled up, and she just, she's a mess. And we start praying, and I begin to pray, and as I'm praying, you know, the Bible says if you don't know what to pray, you can pray in the Spirit, and then when you pray in the Spirit, you'll get understanding, and then pray in the understanding. And so I begin to pray in tongues. I think it's the first time Brantley had ever heard that, especially that close to his head. You know what I mean? Because it was just like, and, and I'm just, because a lot of times that's the way the Lord will use my heart to be able to hear his voice, is I'll just pray quietly. And then I get a word, and I pray in English. And um, that's how I do it here at the altar. It's very quiet. You know, I wasn't quiet in my driveway. It's my driveway. I'll pray as loud as I want. <laughs> We're just praying. And then God starts to give me some things to say in English. So I'm starting to pray the, 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 the word. Long story short, guys, God broke that off that little girl. God broke it. Not because of me, because God loves Hannah. <laughs> God loves Hannah. God set her free from that. And many of us in this room, we have seen Hannah used of God over and over. Over on the mission field, used of God. In her home, praying with people, used of God. Teaching the word. She never would have thought to come on this platform and teach the word. But teaching the word, Hannah, you have served him well. I can remember being on the mission field with her, fierce, 
And we're there in Haiti, big, tall Haitian guy. And he's trying to get stuff from her bags that he's not supposed to be getting because he's not part of our party. And she's just like, oh, no, 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 we got the, I mean, there was no fear in her. There was all boldness in her, you know. Ah. And then the last few years, man, Pastor Brantley has just got hungry for the move of the Spirit and the ministry of healing. And I'm telling you right now, man, you know it in this house. When there's a sickness, call Brantley. <laughs> You're going through an ailment in your physical body. There's an anointing on he and Hannah. Call Brantley and Hannah, and they'll minister to you. Obviously, it's Jesus, but God uses choice vessels, and they're some of the choices. <laughs> I feel like Mary right now because John 20, 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. But I want you to catch something, and we're going to give you some things here today that just going to help all of us through this. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. So she's outside the tomb. Now it's daylight now. Remember it was dark earlier, but she went and got the disciples. She's come back. So it's daylight. I'd rather keep my eyes on the daylight than look into the dark, but she stoops to look in where she knows her Savior's not there, but she looks into the darkness. Let me ask you, where are you focusing your eyes right now? You know? Where are you focusing your eyes? Where are you? She looks in the, the darkness because she knows that's where he was. I don't exactly know what's going on here, but I know they put him in there, and so she's looking in toward the darkest part of that day. She's looking into the darkness. And my question to you is, where are you focusing your eyes? Every one of us has a choice when we're going through things like this to where we put our focus of our eyes. Are we focusing outside the tomb or inside the tomb? Outside of the place of what's possible or inside of the place of what's possible? Because that place, it looks like a mess right now. But a resurrection took place there. Life happened. Jesus rose. It seems empty. But she stoops in and she looks. It's okay for you to look into the darkness. It's okay. In other words, it's okay for you not to deny this is horrible what we're going through. That's all right. <laughs> you think that threatens the resurrection power of Jesus? For us to be able to look in the darkness and say, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I'd rather just like try to stay in the light. No, no, she looked into the darkness. But watch what happened when she did. She looks into the darkness and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. And they said, woman, why are you weeping? She said, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. In other words, the answer to her question, where's Jesus? It's not met yet. But guess what? On the way to her answer, as she looked into the darkness, God gave her two messengers. And I want to tell you right now, where's your focus? Where's your eyes? Don't be afraid to look to Jesus. Don't be afraid to look into the situation. But here, listen, the brightest messengers often show up in the darkest places. And that's what happened. These angels, she still doesn't know where he's at. But two messengers of heaven. In other words, two emissaries from the throne of God. We don't see that because we're temporal, unless God allows us. Now, the Bible does say at times we'll entertain angels unaware. But all this is saying is there's this mystery that surrounds us that we don't understand. And that the temporal isn't everything. And that there's something supernatural going on all the way around us. And we may not understand it, but it's still real. And it's called temporal things. Because they're temporary. Amen? Hmm. 
First service didn't get that. You guys. I mean, I didn't say that. They would have got it. They're as smart as you. That's not what I meant. They just didn't get that little truth. But that's why it's temporal. It's temporary. But God allowed, allowed him to appear into something eternal. God, God allowed her to see these messengers. And what I, I liken that to is this. In your darkest moments, if your eyes are focused and you're looking for Jesus, you're looking for God, you got your eyes stoop looking, okay, then spiritual encounters in the middle of your situation, they'll come along. They just, they come along the way. And when they come, it's like you see them as bright lights, like bright messengers of God in the midst of the situation. And that's what happened with Brantley. You know, I'm talking to him a few days ago. He's like, Pastor Ross, we've got to raise like 70 some thousand dollars if we're going to send her to Mexico for treatment. And, and he goes, you know what? He said, I believe God can raise that. I'm, I believe so too. And he said, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get the platform set up. And, um, and he, I said, you want us to do it for you? He's like, no, no, I got this. I need to do something. I need to keep my mind on something. And I get that. And so that young man, he created that platform. He got that up in the morning. And in less than 24 hours, $75,000 came in. This morning, before I preached, I got a text, but I had my phone off like you're supposed to. Who had the phone on earlier? I had, my, I had my phone off, and so I didn't see it until service was over. Somebody, the person that texted came up and said, you didn't catch my message. I said, no. She said, even before church service started this morning, she said a few minutes before church service started, she said somebody, a $10,000 anonymous gift came through the site. Amen. So they're pushing 80, 85, 90. I don't even know what. But I believe no matter how much we give to them, they're going to need it. I mean, they're just going to need it, you know. And so, so if you feel led to give, I want you to give. But that is a spiritual encounter. That was a bright light in the midst of the darkness. Jesus gave us an angel. Amen? Actually, Jesus gave them a bunch of angels. Angels of the ball team that he coaches, different ball teams, angels of different ministry organizations, family members, friends, church people, workmates, I mean, people all over, people in the, the police department, I mean, people all over, messengers of God in the midst of the darkness. Amen? That's what we see here. Let's go on. John 20, verse 14. Having said this, she turned around. All right? I love this because they've taken him away. And all of a sudden, she turns around. I have a feeling like, you know how it is when somebody looks past you and you know somebody's behind you? I think the angels looked and, it was, and her attention looked. You know, that's just kind of my picture of what happened. And so she turns around. She sees Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. It was kind of like those disciples on the road to Emmaus that until Jesus revealed himself to them, they didn't realize who they were walking and talking with. And then in the moment he revealed them, their heart burned. And oh, like later on, their hearts burned. They realized that was Jesus we were with. You know, he can do that. It's a mystery. Some things with God are mysteries, but that's how he chose to do. And so in the same way, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. She thinks this guy's the gardener. Not one of you mistook your 16-year-old neighbor kid mowing your lawn for Jesus, right? But she thinks this gardener's Jesus. And she's just like, look, just tell me where he is. And I'll, this, is how, this is how much Mary, this is like Hannah, how much she loves Jesus. Mary's just like, just tell me how, where Jesus is and I'll take him. You're a hundred, maybe 20 pound woman, 115 pound woman, right? A man at that time, probably about 160. Scripture says there were 75 pounds of ointment 
and herbs and all sorts of, not herbs, um, um, spices and all sorts of things on his body. So 75, maybe the linen and all those things, I don't know how many, you know, I'm going to say 20, probably, probably 100 pounds. So 260 pounds of Jesus and his stuff. And this lady's like, just show me where he's at and I'll carry him. I'll, I'll take him, you know. She, that's, oh, she just loves him, you know. That's what's happening here. And here's what's so beautiful. Watch this. Jesus said to her, he's already talked to her, but he says to her her name. And Jesus says, Mary. And she turned and said in Aramaic, Rabboni. Like she heard her name from him and her eyes opened up and she's like, teacher. That's a beautiful Rabboni. It's like, it's just precious. It's this very sweet way of saying, you know, rabbi, but it's Rabboni. It's like my teacher. Instantly she was made aware. And, and there was something about that name that he called her out of that place of familiarity that he was made known. And I want to challenge you guys, while we're going through these hard times, Jesus will make himself known to you from a place of familiarity. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ross? I experienced my place of familiarity last night. Because frankly, I didn't want to preach this morning. I just didn't want to. How many preachers here? You ever felt that way before? (sighs) I mean, guys, it's like, like, we feel like, like she's a daughter. I mean, she's been with us since she was 19, you know? I just felt like any words I say is going to fall short. And so last night we got the kids in bed and Amy went upstairs. And my place of familiarity, just to be honest, is my flat top guitar and old hillbilly hymns. It just is. And I knew I needed, <laughs> I knew I needed to go there last night. You know, I just, I wanted to go over my notes. But before I go over my notes, I just need to, I just need to hear you say, Ross, I got you. It's going to be all right. You're going to speak my word. It's going to be okay. So I just took my guitar and I began to play my old hillbilly worship songs. I sang a bunch of songs about healing. I did, because I'm believing for healing. And just wept like a baby and felt his presence out of that place of familiarity. I want to challenge you, find that place of familiarity right now. It might be worship. It might be some scripture in the word that always has meant something to you. It might be people that you do life with, it's a place of familiarity. But find, when she heard that familiar voice, her eyes were open and they, she could see Jesus. And I just believe that in this time, we need some of that familiarity, if that makes sense. Man, she was so happy. She grabs a hold of Jesus, doesn't want to let him go. Jesus said to her, don't cling to me, for I have yet as- not yet ascended to the Father, but I go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, I love this. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Now here's what's beautiful about this. She's holding on to him and doesn't want to let go. So he's, he's not correcting her like, like, don't touch me. He's saying, don't clean. Like, like, you got something to do. Go tell the brothers. Go tell the disciples. Like, like, I'm not going anywhere right now. I will be, but I'm not yet. Like, go do this mission. Go talk to them about what's going on. But what I love is he says to her, he says, I'm ascending to my father and your father. To my God and your God. We haven't seen that yet. I don't believe so. I didn't take the time to really study it out, but I'm pretty good with the word. And so I'm pretty sure, I don't think, pastor, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've seen that in the gospels yet where he's saying, he'll say, I talk to my father and what my father says to me, I say to you, you know, I go to my father and I'll prepare a place for you. And when I go, you will come. I mean, he says things like that, but here he's like, my father and your father, my God and your God. He's just showing us that personal relationship that we have with the creator. 
His marriage, out of her place of pain, he is strengthening that relationship she has with God. Not allowing it to become weak, but become stronger. Verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Literally, they have the doors locked. Most people feel that this is the upper room, you know, where the Passover took place, or the Last Supper, as we would call it. The place where Pentecost falls, some people believe it was probably that. The same place, and the doors are locked. So there's multiple doors, and Jesus just shows up. Why? Everybody say mystery. Jesus can do what Jesus does. I mean, like, some things we just don't understand. So he shows up in the room. And when he shows up, he says, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And I love this. He tells them, peace, peace be with you. Shalom to you. And in saying it, he's showing them what's going on in his body. Obviously, they saw him crucified a few days earlier. They know these marks are in his body, but he's saying it, and he's showing them these marks, and what hit me was the idea that Scripture tells us we're supposed to enter into the fellowship of Christ's suffering as believers. We enter into the fellowship of his suffering, but guess what? That means he enters into the fellowship of ours, too, and he's showing them his wounds. (laughs) I was bruised or broken. The chastisement, so that you can have peace, it was put on me. They tried to rob me of my peace, but I took all that. Why? Not just so for me to have peace, but so I could say to you right now, peace, shalom to you right now. That's what we need, Jesus. We need a big, big, just big dose of shalom right now. And he says, peace be with you. Hmm. Why is he saying peace to these disciples? You know? why, why isn't he rebuking them? For, for not being faith-filled. You know, I can't believe you guys. I'm gone three days and look at the mess you've made. No. No. He understands we're people who have doubt and we're people who have fear. Amen? I don't know about y'all. I have anger when I deal with things like this. You know? He, God understands those things. And so I want you to understand, when we go through things in life, doubt and fear are natural they're natural. Doesn't mean that you don't have faith just because you're walking at times in a, a wrestle with doubt and fear. John 20 through 24 and 25. Now, Thomas was one of the 12, called the twin. He was not with them when Jesus came. So they're together having church, basically. They're together. And Jesus shows up, which is always good when you're having church. Amen? You want Jesus showing up. So Jesus shows up, and, but Thomas isn't there. Where is he? His pain is driving him in a different place. Remember the familiarity I was talking about? For the others, their familiarity, their pain drove them together. But for him, it drove him to a place of isolation. That doubt, that fear. And so he's not with them right now. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So now he, is, he shows up, and they tell him, we've seen the Lord, but he said, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, the place, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And so just look at that, like the same way we are. Some people, some of us deal with pain like this in isolation, and others of us deal with it in community. And I just want to let you know, it is easier for faith and hope, it's easier for faith and peace to arise when you're with others. Thomas wasn't with them. 
They're together. He's by himself, and he's struggling even when he hears the testimony. And you know that. Somebody will tell you, oh, it's going to be all right. God is faithful. And it just sets on you like a cold ice, glass of ice water. I don't know. It just sets on your heart. You know, it's like, <clears throat> but when you're together or something, like today, we're feeling that sense together. God's getting us through this moment. God's getting the Johnsons through this moment. And yesterday was beautiful because I saw that happen. Yesterday was opening day of baseball. And the Johnson boys played baseball. And, um, and, and Brantley was asked to do the opening prayer. And, and, and so they op- did the opening prayer. And the rest of the day was ball. And um, Malachi had a game at three and Gabriel at five. And Hannah was right there for both games. Amen. That's one of those bright messengers, amen? Bright messengers in the midst of the darkness. And so little Hannah, she's right there and just so sweet. And she's there cheering her boys on. And you know what else was neat? There was church people there. You know what else was neat? There was baseball people there that are now church people. You know, I think four or five families are in the church that came from the baseball team the last few years. I love you guys. (laughs) Our hearts hurt yesterday, but it was good to be together. (laughs) It was good to be with her, you know? Whew. And so she's on the field with family and friends. Her, her brothers came down from Ohio, and her one sister from Ohio, and her other sister from over here. I think, I think she lives in Marietta, if I remember right. And, um, but the, all the family's in, and her mom and her in-laws are there. I mean, everybody's just there yesterday together. <clears throat> and so if you're having doubts, and you're going through things, the best place for you to be is with others. The best place to be is not in isolation like Thomas, but with others. Eight days go by, the next scripture says, before the disciples had gathered together again. Eight days, and the disciples again were together inside, and Thomas this time was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, I love that. It's like Jesus is just like, eh, Every time, the doors are locked, I'll just do this again. Why? Because it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Some things we just don't understand. Some things he does, some things he doesn't do. I don't get it. Mystery. But in the midst of it, he says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And in the middle of that, Thomas answers saying, my Lord and my God. I love it. What what Jesus was offering to Mary earlier when he said, my Lord and your Lord, my Father and your Father. Now Thomas is picking up on that offering. My Lord and my God. This is personal. And so listen and understand, doubt is not a sin. No. But doubt can take us away from the presence of God or at least sensing his presence. The question is, when it comes to doubt, what are you going to do with your doubts? Here's what I love about this passage. Thomas was not disqualified or kicked out because of his doubts. He wasn't. And I know that at times I can get angry with the Lord and have doubt and fear and frustration. But I also know that in those times, I strive hard to keep my focus on him. To stoop and look, God, what are you doing in the middle of this? Now, I'm not saying I did that well. Five, six years ago, facing some stuff. First time in my whole life I really ever faced anything. I wasn't ready for it. I messed up a lot. But we grow and we learn and focusing in. Even in the midst of your doubt, 
So the question is, what are you going to do with your doubt? What Thomas did, he was not disqualified, but he did have to make the choice to come back into community as he sought Christ for the answer. He couldn't find it on his own, but he had to stay close. Everybody say stay close. Yeah. You know, and every one of them, if you look at them, they're all dealing with this in different ways. I love Christy. She sent this to me a couple days ago, and I told her I was going to use it. Pastor, uh, Christy is our church administrator. She said, you know what? Every single person was unique. Mary blamed and wept. Peter and John needed evidence. The disciples were in fear and locked away. And Thomas doubted and had unbelief. But Jesus showed up to each of them in a special and unique way. Amen? So the way you're navigating things right now, man, if you just, just Jesus is going to show up in how you need that, you know? I already see it, him showing up with the Johnsons, how they need to see his presence. I already see it. Jesus wants to show up in the midst of our pain and suffering no matter how we are naturally wired to face doubt and fear. And the way he shows up, it's his presence. It's Jesus' presence showing up that brings peace. It's Jesus' presence that shows up that calms the heart, that strengthens the weary soul. It's Jesus' presence, and guess what? This situation, Jesus is all over it. He's all over it. Oh my gosh, Jesus is all over this. Hmm. Jesus is with us. When it comes to the presence of God, I'll tell you somebody who is extremely in tune to the presence of Jesus. It's Hannah Johnson. (laughs) Amen? She loves his presence. She knows his presence. She ministers in and through and out of his presence. She is is in tune with the presence of Jesus. And so yesterday, um, she's there, and her little arms curled up like this, and um, she had her her Starbucks coffee because she knows what's important. I was patting her arm, and, and I said, you got your coffee? And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I can still drink my coffee. And uh, it was neat. She was letting me know. She, that, that's, you know. So she's holding, I just pat her arm and start talking. I said, Hannah, tomorrow, I said, I'm just burdened. I told her about how the early week I hardly could prepare a sermon and finally was able to, you know, prepare a sermon. And then I wasn't the sermon, and now I got a new sermon. And, <laughs> and so I just said to her, I said, Hannah, what do you want me to say to your church family? What do you want me to say? And the thing that's neat about Hannah right now is, is she can talk, you know. It's, it's hard to understand a little bit, but she's excitable. Like, 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 like man, no inhibitions. Like, she, whew, and a little chatterbox. It's beautiful. Tons of joy. You can just see the joy pouring out of her, you know. And, uh, man. And so she just starts talking a little bit. And I said, well, hold on a second. Let me, let me write it down. And she said, you, you write it down, <laughs> you know. You tell them. She wanted me to tell you this. And so this is what she had to say. She said, have faith and have strength. She said, no matter what you're going through and no matter what we have to face, have faith and have strength. A little thing in a wheelchair body's just, it's not hurting, thank God. She's not hurting, but just weak. And that's her challenge to us. And then it, she said something that just kind of floored me and took my breath. And first service was hard to say it. But Hannah's a person of faith, real faith. Here's what she said. She says, there may come a time when we will have to surrender. 
And I didn't ask her what that meant. I just know every single one of us in this room, there's been times where things we wanted didn't happen. And things we prayed for didn't occur. We're not praying that way today. Before we leave, man, we're going to pray for our Hannah. Amen? I'm just being honest. There have been times, every single person in this room, and for some people, it made them mad at God and they ran from God forever. They didn't take the doubt and the fear and the pain and go the right direction with it. But she says, there may come a time when we will have to surrender, but always remember, God is good all the time. Is that good? (laughs) That's our girl. God is good all the time. That's faith right there. That's faith in the face of uncertainty. That's faith... In the, the, the face of, I, I'm just staying close. I don't exactly know what's going on, but I'm going to look into this place. I know, I know Jesus was here. I don't see him right now. Where are you, Jesus? But I'm staying close. And when every messenger you send, I'm being thankful. And when you get close enough, I'm going to hold on. I ain't going to let go. <laughs> hmm, that's faith in the face of uncertainty. That's the peace that the presence of Jesus brings. And family, we need peace this morning. The Johnson home, they need peace. Jeremy, Joel, Melinda, Marcy. That's her brothers and sisters. They need peace. We see you guys. Our hearts hurt for you. We're praying for you right now. Carol, her mama, needs peace. Roy and Susan, Brantley's mom and daddy, need peace. Multiple nieces and nephews and so many friends and church family need peace. Here's the thing. The same peace that calmed the storm because Jesus was in the boat is the same peace that can rise within us today. The same peace that Jesus possessed when he walked up to the tomb that held Lazarus, his friend, is the same peace we can have today. Now, the thing is, Mary and Martha, they didn't have that peace. But Jesus did, because Jesus knew he was the resurrection and the life. Now, the thing is, you're like, yeah, but Lazarus came forth. I get that. I understand that. But none of us make it out of this place alive. None of us. Not even Lazarus. And the thing about it, when Jesus said, yes, he's raised, why? Because I am the resurrection and the life. That wasn't a temporal resurrection. That's an eternal resurrection. And so I hold fast for temporal miracles right now to take place in temporal bodies so that we can get on to the eternal. And I want that temporal miracle to happen, like right now. I want Hannah healed for years to come until the real resurrection comes. But I also know that God is faithful. And the enemy's defeated already. And that's what Jesus showed Mary and Martha that day. Don't you understand? I'm the resurrection and the life. It's who I am. And here's the thing. When it comes to faith, and I'm going to finish with this. When it comes to faith, don't let faith be a burden. My background, my tribe I'm from, Guys, I went to Oral Roberts University. Oral was like a faith healing guy back in the 40s and 50s, you know. And so, man, signs, wonders, believing for miracles, that, that, that's what I cut my teeth on, you know. <clears throat> now, Oral also had a hospital on his 
his, his university because he believed that, that medicine is a flow of healing from God and divine miracles are a flow of healing. And both streams come from God and we thank God. He's the healer. But what I'm getting at with this, sometimes out of that background, you get into what's called the word of faith movement. And I'd rather have words of faith than words of doubt. I would. But sometimes in that movement that I was raised up around, faith can be a burden. If I can just fast enough, I can get my miracle. If I can just speak the word enough, I can get my miracle. If I can just guard this or do this or do that, and it's like God's up in heaven just like going, better get it right, better get it right. And faith becomes a burden. Now, I do believe in speaking the word, and we will speak the word before we go out of here. I believe in being positive, not negative. I believe in fasting. I fasted Monday through Wednesday this week. Why? Because I want to do what I can do, and those are my places of familiarity. Does that make sense? Like, the fasting is a place of familiarity to me. Like, I, I, that's where I retreat when I need to hear from the Lord. And so I'm doing that. But faith isn't a burden. Listen, what faith is, faith is a release. Faith is peace in the storm. Faith is resting in the assurance, the blessed assurance of God, that God, I don't understand what's going on, but I know I don't see you right now, but I know you're here. I know you're doing something, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm hanging in here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying close to the brothers and sisters. We're, we're hanging in here. That's faith. Faith isn't a burden. It's a release. And often, I think people will look at faith like, I just got to get everything just right to get my miracle. He's a good daddy. He's a good father. <clears throat> Hannah has that kind of faith. When she said, you know what? There may come a day we have to surrender. There'll come a day all of us have to surrender. It's part of this world. Will that shake your faith? See, Hannah's walking in that faith right now, and we as her church family, we want to walk with her in that kind of faith. That's resurrection. I'm going to title it. I'm going to call it resurrection faith. In other words, faith that believes for a miracle right now, but rests in the confidence that no matter how dark the days ahead may be, it ain't over. It's not. No matter how dark days may be, Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus' presence is still there. Amen? That's resurrection faith. What, what, what do you mean that kind of faith? Faith that focuses our eyes on Jesus and what he is doing in this dark moment. That kind of faith. Faith that looks for the brightest messengers in the midst of our darkest places. That kind of faith. Faith that runs to the familiar places of worship and community with an expectation that we're going to hear from the voice of the Lord. And faith that looks for the evidence of Jesus' presence even when we are weighed down by our natural burdens of doubt and fear. We're going to pray. But before we do, we're going to pray for healing for, for Hannah. But before we do, she texted... I didn't do a good enough job first. <laughs> no. She texted. She wanted one other scripture shared. And I didn't get it during the service, last service, but I'm going to give it to you now. And I know why she wants this. Because she understands temporal from eternal. She understands that every one of us someday will meet that moment where we have to have the right decision made in this earth. So she texted, please, or Brantley texted for her, she wants you to 
preach Acts 2.38 and 42 and 43. Well, instantly I knew Acts 2.38. It's a salvation message. Listen, if you're here today and you need Jesus, Hannah wants you to know this. Hannah would say, Peter said to them, this is the scripture, but Hannah would want you to know, repent. That means realize that there's things in your life that we've all done wrong. There's sin, every one of us. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning, man, what a day to come to faith in Jesus. With every head up and every eye open, sometimes we'll treat this moment like it's an embarrassing moment. No. How many here, you've, you've, you've come to a relationship with Jesus? Shoot your hand up real quick. Amen. Come on. See that? That's your future family right there. The good and the bad, all right? We're here for you. But if you're here this morning and you just don't know, I'm telling you right now, it's a reality. You will go. Every one of us will die. And that decision has to be made on this side. And it's not a fearful thing like, like heaven or hell. No, no. It's fearful like the world in hell. Like, like you live in, there's hell right here, right now. I'm saying, yeah, there's a future hell. But man, having Jesus in your life right now, that's how Hannah and Brantley are getting through this. It's how they're not losing their ever-loving minds through this because they got the peace of God because they have Jesus in their life. And so if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, man, we're excited for you. And all you have to do is just raise your hand. I'm not going to have you come up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you, just put up your hand. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I, I don't even know what all that means, but I'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, put your hand up. Put your hand up. Anybody? Anybody? Miss anybody? If you're online, are you pointing? Somebody's pointing. Where's that hand? Help me out. Help me out. Help me out. Who? Y'all pointed over this way. Okay, so we're going to pray together. For whoever raised their hand, I'm not sure it was, that they're pointing somebody to. And so we're going to pray together. And then I have a book I want you to have. It's just Seven Days with Jesus. It's basically a little book that we wrote to give you your first seven days of walking in this new relationship with Jesus. Just grab me after church, and I'll give it to you. That way you can have it. But everybody and whoever you were that raised your hand, just say this. Say, Jesus, I come to you right now. I'm a sinner. And I lay my life before you. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord, the person I'll follow all the days of my life. Help me learn what it means to be your child. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're going to have patience with me. Help me have patience with myself as I grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God some praise, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. And if you're online and you've prayed that prayer with us, um, please, in the comment section, just go and let us know you did that, and we will get a book to you too. We just want to help you in your next steps as you go forward with God. And so what I want us to do, let's stand to our feet as we close. Amen. I want you guys just to say something with me. Say, say, God is good all the time. Let's say it for, for Hannah. Let's say it for ourselves. We need it. Ready? God is good all the time. Amen. I want us to pray together. Grab some hands. I know that's old school. If you're new with us, we're not going to be afraid of anything, but I just want us to be in agreement, right? And I want to pray 
The Bible says we pray the prayer of faith. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you as a church family on behalf of Hannah. God, we speak life and not death in the name of Jesus. Lord God, you went to the cross and you went to that whipping post for our healing by your stripes. We are healed and we grab hold of that today for Hannah. God, in the name of Jesus, your word tells us that healing is the children's bread. And so, Father God, today we partake from that bread, and we ask, Lord God, for a healing, a divine miracle in Hannah's life. Jesus, I thank you that healing is our bread, but Lord, your word teaches us that you are our bread. And Lord God, as Hannah has taught us today, should there come a moment, any time in our life in the future that we feel like we need to surrender, man, that's not a surrender of weakness. That's a surrender of ultimate victory because you, Lord God, will not be defeated. You are the resurrection and the life. You are our hope, and we look to you. And we thank you, Lord God, for your victory in our lives now and into eternity. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that you would bring peace to our church family. Bring peace to the Johnson family, I pray, God. We thank you for the provisions that you have brought, God. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you are the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. And Lord, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rafika, the Lord that heals. And so we just look to you. <laughs> You're our strong tower that we run into and find refuge today, Jesus. Thank you for reminding us of where to put our eyes. Thank you for reminding us of, of being able to come together, holding each other up, and for reminding us what true faith looks like, God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in and through Hannah. In the name of Jesus, everybody a big amen. 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 Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.